and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show with five, four, three, two, one, let's go. This is Tim and Friends for Tuesday, March 15th, 2022. In the immortal words of Bob Cole, as I look for the button to my right, everything is happening. Everything is happening. That's right, Robert. Everything is happening. I'm Tim. You are the friends, as is Jesse Rubinoff, Mark Spears, and Renaud Lavoie, who will join the fray. Plus, the Tuesday tradition continues with a very solid baseball virtual roundtable. Ken Rosenthal, Dan Schulman, and Ricky Romero, who watched his Lakers last night get their donkey whooped by the boys from our home and native land. I won't mention the Lakers too much for our guy, Ricky Romero. He is a friend, but... All bets are off and first things first. Like, I have bit my tongue for long enough as Kenny the Jet Smith kept telling me to wait. Ah, they've been injured, etc., etc. Blah to the blah. Depending on your musical taste, your age, with either Timex Social Club or a Fleetwood Mac album or Gucci Mane or Lizzo and Cardi B who penned the song Rumors. Today, any of those could be the anthem for the day in the National Hockey League and Major League Baseball as the hot stove is heating the entire building right now. And we need it because it's snowing outside. It's March. Hey, snow, go the bleep away. <laughs> they don't know I do it for the culture. But you will and get you the latest that you need to know. From Freddie Freeman to Kyle Schwaber, from Mark andre Fleury to Ben Sherratt, and it all starts with my good friend, Jesse Rubinoff, and first things first. So let it be said, Spud Webb. Mm. First things first, Dunk Champ. <laughs> yes, little guy Dunk Champ. Oh, man. I feel like I got a lot of sheets of paper today because this is the second straight day where there's just a lot going on. Can I, can I, uh, can I be honest with you? Oh, goodness. It bugs me how calm you are in moments where we are, like, flying. Like, right now, before the show, you and I, and this is probably a compliment, so don't look at me like that, like you're waiting for... No, I'm just (laughs) waiting for the point. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. you're sitting there waiting for me to hit you with something, and I was just like, how calm you are in the moment where you have a lot of poop flying around. Well, I appreciate that. Um, You know, I think it's what we're built for, right? It's moments like these. We've got to rise to the occasion. <laughs> For a moment like this. Oh, I, may, I, may, I may look calm on the Jesse surface. Jesse Rubinoff's okay. lifetime. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. I may look calm on the surface, but, you know. Duck? Yeah. On the water? Underwater. Yeah. They're going. The legs are kicking. You can't see the, you well, can't you, see the you legs. You have duck-like legs. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I have tiny legs, long torso. You have tinier legs. Oh, you want to get into the tiny, the tiny limbs? <laughs> yeah. I have some of the shortest arms you have ever seen. Tiny arms, tiny legs. Somehow I'm... Uh, tiny desk. Yeah, tiny, it all it fits. does fit. Very nice. It all fits. That's perfect. And is probably the worst characteristic for a guy playing AAA goalie. <laughs> That's true. That's why I didn't make it. Just tiny put it on the limbs. size. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. 
blame um, your dad for the short legs. Yes, I will do that. Uh, okay, let's move on to uh, something a little bit more positive than my short arms and short legs, and that is the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, there was some positive in there about you being calm, cool, and collective. I, yes, I appreciated that very much. Uh, the Raptors have won four straight games out west after a 114-103 win over the Lakers last night. The Raps jumped out to a 21-2 lead and basically never looked back. Did you stay up to watch the finish, Timmy? <laughs> oh, man. Two kids, March break, knowing they would be up at 7 a.m. looking for something to do. I wanted to go to bed so bad, like so <laughs> bad. But I couldn't because that thing was amazing start to finish. Unreal. Like on a bunch of different levels. To see Scotty Bar, sorry, Jesse. Future Hall of Famer. Nice. Scotty Barnes outscored the Lakers 15 to 12 on his own in the first quarter. A Lakers team with LeBron and Westbrook on the floor. Scotty Barnes outscored him 15 to 12. He was seven of eight from the floor. It was jaw dropping. Scotty Barnes vibes. But I was too busy rubbernecking the Lakers dumpster fire more than the immaculate Scotty Barnes vibes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Lakers shot three of 25 in that opening quarter. That's 12.5%. They were over 13 from three. And LeBron James turned into Arthur clinched fist LeBron without the subtweeting. Do you remember when he tweeted out the Arthur clinched fist? Shaking fist. At everyone else? Uh, I stayed tuned, I stayed stayed tuned in, and I stayed up because I thought LeBron was going to lose it. Mm -hmm. Like, I literally thought... He was going to lose it. Now, the first thing that we saw was he's the only Laker rebounding. And watch this reaction. And by the way, let me add this to the equation. The guy who gets the rebound over his back is Precious Achua, who is his man on the play. Didn't stop LeBron. Gave a stare, yelling and screaming, and that was just the start. What he did to Scotty in the third quarter, which to be honest was not only disrespectful, it was bullcrap, and I didn't want to say crap. I want to say something else. It was a dude taking out his frustrations on a rookie who was eating his team's lunch. He could have passed it to like three different teammates, but he chose violence in this moment. Like some of the stupid ass flagrants that they call these days and that the referees just give the ball to the Lakers. Like, here you go, sir. Don't be mad at us little officials over here. Like, to be fair and balanced, he also dragged his guys back into a fight that they looked like they had given up on and almost made it a game. But I kind of wish more dudes, the referees or even the media held LeBron accountable. But LeBron didn't even talk to the media after the game. Love, peace, and hair greased everybody. Like, I hope that in the end, LeBron sees that and apologizes for it because it was extra. Or maybe it's time for a couple of Raptors to hold him accountable for that nonsense on Friday when they play each other again in Toronto. That would be fun. But I get it. I would be pissed, too, if my team was 0-8 since the All-Star break when I didn't score 50. The Lakers are 0-8 since the All-Star break when LeBron doesn't score 50. Well, that's the main point. They stink. Like, all due respect to who they trot out there. These guys are NBA players. I'm just some clown on a show talking about them. But look who the starting lineup was last night. Like, LeBron's playing center. Malik Monk, Austin Reeves. They're the opposite, Tim, 
of the Harlem Globetrotters. They had the anti-Harlem Globetrotters. Look at what there's bricks left, right, and center. Russell Westbrook can't make a, a bucket from anywhere. It's just sad to see that this is what has become of the L.A. Lakers, although I'm sure Raptor fans uh, would be thrilled to, to watch what they watched last night because how could you not? The, the two sides of this coin are remarkably intriguing, and I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Scotty Barnes side, the Lakers side. Listen, the Lakers had flawed roster building. Like, they, their, their roster was built with huge flaws. Like, you can't have LeBron James on a team and go 0 for 13 from 3. Yes. Like, you have to have shooters around LeBron James. That's Improving. how he won championships. Yeah. And that's what someone came on the show. So, so then I, I follow with... If you are more worried about the Toronto Raptors in the moment, like what's the Raptors ceiling? Because I feel like now one game back of Cleveland, it changes the equation because it's no longer staying away from the Nets in the playing game. No extra wear and tear from if you play the Nets in the playing game, you might have to play two games just to get to your series. Like this is interesting to me because they're beating good ass teams. Mm-hmm. Problem is the East is so good right now. Like, what do you want in that first round? Who can you beat? Like, if you're six, like, can you beat Philly? Maybe Chicago? Like, the first round could be Kyle Lowry and the Heat if it's the play-in game. It could be DeMar and the Bulls. Do you gamble on Nick Nurse knowing how to stop Giannis? Like, do you want to mess with that in the first round? Uh, This is going to be a tough matchup. However, the Raptors end up getting into the playoffs if, in fact, they do. Yeah, I think it's, it's pretty obvious at this point that they could lose in the play-in game or they could make a pretty significant run. I think Blake, made a, Blake Murphy, when he was on the show yesterday, made a, a really good point when he said the Raptors are playing the starters a ton of minutes right now. So what you're seeing right now is the Raptors' playoff team, right? But other teams are going to get a little bit of a bump when they get to the playoffs because they shorten that rotation down to eight, seven guys, and then you just have to... You can't really know until you see it what kind of a boost that those teams get when they're playing the Raptors. So I mentioned this earlier in mm-hmm. the year. Uh, the last two times that any team played guys as much as this team plays their top two players, uh, they've lost in the first round. Now, the playing game's way more interesting than that. Let's go back to the standings, guys, if we can. Uh, Des, I know I, I, we just saw them. But if you look at the playing game, if, in fact, they stayed there, they would play the Nets. Yeah, it's not great. But then they would play the Hawks or the Hornets, right, mm-hmm. in the second half mm-hmm. of the play-in tournaments. So you would get, theoretically, I mean, it may be the Knicks, it may be the Wizards, the way it works out, but probably not. It's going to be the Hawks or the Hornets. And you're probably still into the tournament and facing the Heat if you get the Hawks and Hornets in the second play-in game. So because as it works, seven plays eight, the winner of that moves on. Mm-hmm. They get the seven seed. The eight seed goes to the loser of seven eight against the winner of nine ten. So, do you think they have to go into overdrive to get into the top six to avoid a scenario like that? I think they would obviously love to. Obviously. Seeing as both you and I have the Raptors making the playoffs this year at a healthy little wager mm-hmm. in Vegas, we would both like to see it that way. Mm-hmm. However, once you get in, it doesn't ease the matchup all that much. Right? Like Miami or Philly, they're in trouble against Philly. They don't have a big that can match Joel Embiid. No, they do not. That would be difficult. I just go back to this team and look at the how how much higher above what we expected each individual guy is. Like Scotty, way better than anybody thought he would be. Gary, way better than anybody thought he would be. Pascal, 
you can make an argument that he deserves to be on some all-NBA team. Fred's been a lot better. So this ceiling, I mean, we put it out there on social media um, astutely, as you asked uh, earlier. What is the ceiling for the Raptors this season and why? It's because I put it in our email earlier today. <laughs> and the second round was uh, overwhelming, 49.4%. But so- 12.1% think that the Raptors can go all the way, and that's to the finals. Hold on a second. Mm-hmm. 49%, 50% of people responding to our poll, almost 2,000 people believed that the Raptors would win their first round matchup with one of the teams that we just mentioned? Yes. Well, it's a ceiling. But taking that into account, what we just saw in the standings, if they happen to play the Nets in the play-in game, it's hard to imagine that 49.4% think they would actually get to the second round. That's not the second round. The second round is past the first round, but they'd have to beat the Nets. That's the play-in tournament. They'd have to beat the Nets to get to the second round. No. What do you mean? No. The play-in tournament is not the first round. The play-in tournament's the play-in tournament. Right. So they'd have to beat the Nets, then win the first round. No, they wouldn't have to beat the Nets. They could lose to the Nets and then beat one of nine or ten. Well, yes. Jesse? Yes, but the the first game would be against the Nets as is currently constituted. You want to take your chances losing to the Nets and then having to play another game? Got you. Uh, I just think that 49% of the people didn't look at the actual matchups. <laughs> it's, it's possible. And that's why you showed it. Uh, uh, Pascal Siakam's last seven games, really impressive. I don't know if you've seen the numbers. 23, t- excuse me, 27.3 points per game on 51% shooting. 46% from three. 7.7 rebounds, 4.7 assists, like just ridiculous. So it's nice to see uh, the Raptors doing big things, as well as Carl Anthony Towns, who put up a 60-piece last night against the San Antonio Spurs. And for those who didn't see it, it was a tour de force. My guy had 32 points in the third quarter alone. It is the mm-hmm. fifth most points in one quarter in the history of the NBA. And I was going to talk about finally getting it and the T-Wolves surpassing expectations like the Toronto Raptors but then I saw Cat's tweet today and I thought all that secondary and Cat went on a three tweet thread that started with two years ago yesterday was two years ago to the date that my parents walked into ER at JFK Medical Center in Edson, New Jersey admitted with COVID-19 the same hospital that my mother gave birth gave me life and tragically the same hospital where I saw her life begin to slip away. Two years later to the day, I walked into AT&T Center with the greatest guardian angel I could ever ask for and dropped 60 against the winningest coach of all time. I say this to say, no matter what life throws at you, you can come out of it stronger. Tough times don't last, tough people do. Miss you mama, this game, my life is for you. Who's cutting onions in Yeah, what a moment. What a moment for Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, Mark Spears coming up a little bit later to talk more basketball. Perfect. As we shift to the ice. Busy night in the NHL with 11 games on the schedule, including five Canadian teams in action. The Leafs are searching for answers. No kidding. After back-to-back losses to the Coyotes and Sabres. They'll turn to Eric Schalgren in goal tonight as they host the Stars. I should have said that yesterday. I had the feeling they were going there yeah. when Dubas was saying you had no faith choice. in everybody. Yeah, they had no choice at this Ugh. point. Uh, they'll be without Austin Matthews as he, he serves the first 
of his two-game suspension. Ben Chirot will not play tonight due to a management decision as Arizona visits Montreal. That's intriguing. Uh, meanwhile, out west, a huge matchup in Winnipeg as the Jets take on the Golden Knights. The Oilers host the Red Wings and the Canucks host the Devils. Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Vancouver all right in the thick of that tight playoff battle in the west. So which Canadian team win, needs a win most tonight? Timmy. Sorry, it's contagious, the bumbling and stumbling there. I, <laughs> I, set, the sty, I set the fire up. No, that, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know there's a lot of people that want me to answer with the Toronto Maple Leafs, but it's got to be those teams in the West, right? Like, the West is so bleeping tight, they're and they've got to make a decision on what they're going to do come the trade deadline. And I think the Canucks have the toughest decision, but there are some intri- intriguing ones in Winnipeg, too. So... I mean, listen, Edmonton wins a couple of games. Miko Koskinen eases the pressure on them a little bit by playing well, but they lose any one of these games, and they could be on the outside looking in once again. So it's got to be one of those Western teams just because of how fun this is going to be down the stretch, but more importantly, what you do at the deadline, which is less than a week away now. Totally. Uh, and that brings me back to Ben Chirot. The management decision. Yes. So you talked about it He's yesterday. Uh, you mentioned the Leafs maybe perhaps should look at someone like that because they need defensive help. Well, Eric Engels uh, tweeted out that there have been many teams interested in Sherratt. Sh- Hard to handicap where he'll end up. There was a good chance he was going to Calgary in the Toffoli deal, but that fell through. Uh, not that Calgary's out of it. Still think uh, St. Louis is heavy in it. L.A., Rangers, Florida, and Toronto, all teams to watch. So obviously a hot commodity uh, as are we, the are we diving into up. the rumor mill here? Because it is incredibly juicy right now. That's I think it. everyone wants Sherratt. And from what you're hearing, Toronto may be down that list. I think Toronto is looking at other things, though I think they should be looking at a big, tough defenseman. I think they're looking elsewhere. I think there's other things that they uh, value in their defensemen because we've seen that for, I don't know, uh, since Kyle Dubas got here. Like puck-moving, puck-possession defensemen. Right. The, the Toronto Maple Leafs are this weird anomaly right now where they lead the league in time allowed in their defensive zone. So they allow the opponents the least amount of time in their own zone per game than anyone else in the National Hockey League, and yet they can't stop pucks. Why is that? Because they have puck possession, because they value puck possession, except when they turn that puck over, it's a bleeping mess. So for me, I would add someone who might be able to clear some people out of the front of the net. So when you do have that time in your zone, it's not great opportunities going into your net. Uh, The rest of the league, though, wants the Ben Chirot guy more than the Leafs do although it appears that way right now. And it could be Kyle Dubas trying to, you know, tamper expectations in and around a pickup and maybe drive the price down. But I think the Montreal Canadiens don't need to have the price driven down on Sherratt. There's a lot of people who want him. we got to get you to sit down with Kyle Dubas. You can tell him what you think about the Leafs D. I've done his, it before. his philosophy. I know you've done it before. I've been here with you before. you got to. You got to tell him next time. You uh, told you me do, the team defense was different this year. Do you want to do a little rapid fire on those rumors? Sure. And you'll tell me if you want to stop uh, on any of them. So the Calgary Flames, uh, Brad Treliving, the general manager, is saying that we're certainly, quote, we're certainly looking to add to our roster. This comes off the heels of Tyler Toffoli, obviously, arriving. They've as already won the deadline. Ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're looking to add. The Toffoli edition may have won them the deadline. you got to be 
um, bullish on the Calgary Flames. I just don't see how, how you can't be at this point. Adrian Dater saying the, the Avs still set up to make another move. They obviously brought in Josh Manson yesterday. Uh, still thinks they're in on Claude Giroux. St. Louis is a stealth player there. Um, the move today uh, with Minnesota frees them up a little bit of cap space, and some people were wondering why they made this move today. That might be to get a little cap space for Claude Giroux. So it seems like maybe the Avs are the favorite on Claude Giroux. Love it. Okay, we'll get to a, a bunch more with uh, Renaud Lavoie later in the show Perfect. today. Um, let's go to baseball now because, as we discussed yesterday, on the Monday, that was crazy. We were diving deep into all the rumors. That's how we started the show yesterday. Uh, there have been no Blue Jays-related posts on Carlos Baerga's Instagram today, though, but that doesn't mean we don't have more rumors for you. Everyone waiting on a decision from Freddie Freeman. The Red Sox reportedly the latest team to join the sweepstakes. So four AL East teams, the Jays, Yankees, Rays, and Red Sox, as well as the Dodgers and Padres, are reportedly in on the former MVP. There are also reports that the Jays are among the front runners to land free agent outfielder slash DH Kyle Schwarber. Who would be a better fit for the Jays, Freeman or Schwarber? Uh, we'll ask our bas- baseball roundtable that in mere moments from now. Uh, I think Schwarber is actually an easier fit, but when you look at Freddie Freeman and what he's able to do offensively, you don't say no to Freddie Freeman. Um, again, we're going to talk more about that in a flash, but um, speaking of talking, Ross Atkins was talking. You say Kikuchi was unveiled to the media today, yeah. and there were a lot of questions about you say Kikuchi when Ross Atkins was available to the media, but then uh, we got a camera in there on what they call the writers-only scrum, and he was talking about some additions to the team, and here's what he said. I think it's unlikely that we don't add another position player. Right. Um, but as, you, as you're thinking of bat, you know, you know, is that someone that is every single day in your lineup? You know, we don't have to do that. I think it's unlikely that we don't add another position player. I think Vladdy's in an incredible place mentally. Uh, he's open to playing some third base and uh, how much uh, really it would be something that we continue to work through with him and would like, like to have more information based on what our team looks like before we make that anything near concrete. Hmm. I really like Ross Atkins and he likes to dance every once in a while and I understand why he likes to dance. Mm. I don't know what that meant, but I do know what the MLB Network was saying that if they added Schwarber, what they would be, or Schwarber, what they would be. Here's Harold Baines on the MLB Network. Toronto is among the front runners. I wonder how he feels about Canada. I love Canada. Does he love Canada like you he do? loves Canada. I could see him fitting in up there. This one makes a little more sense to me. He fits with this lineup, and they're ready. I'm t- this is the team to beat. I picked the Jays. I'm with you. They um, are the team to beat. They are the team to beat, says Harold Reynolds, not Harold Baines, who is another baseball player that I am uh, somehow got in my head. Well, Harold. That's it. A couple of different Heralds. So we're going to have a baseball roundtable coming up. Uh, It's interesting to hear Ross Atkins say they're going to add, but not being specific. But we all know why he's not going to be specific in this moment, because it seems like there's a bunch of people in on the guys that he is zeroed in on. We'll see what the roundtable thinks. Mark Spears on an impressive Raptors win and a shocking Lakers loss. Renault Lavoie on the trade deadline and more, plus the world-class roundtable to talk all things Jays and beyond. Danny Showman, Kenny Rosenthal, and Ricky Romero will join me next to discuss the latest rumors as the Jays hype train rolls on. And so does Tim and Friends.
right here on a Tuesday. A lot of balls in the air right now for the Blue Jays as they continue to try to find ways to bolster this club. He's just everything you want. I just don't know any team that wouldn't want Freddie Freeman. Starting a guy who's only played 30 minutes in the NHL in relief. This shows, I think, just how desperate the Leafs are. And Scotty puts it up over top. LeBron! Chemistry is strong, and they're playing with so much effort. Town shoots it again. That time he's got it. 60 for Carl Anthony Towns. Stella Cal, we're going, going back, back to Cali. Cali, yes, the Lakers licking their wounds again, as well as. More on a touching tribute from Cat to his mom, ESPN, and the Undisputed's Mark Spears will join me. Renault Lavoie on a very juicy rumor mill in the NHL. But we will continue to monitor that hot stove in the NHL in less, a week, less than a week to the deadline. And, of course, Major League Baseball, where things are heating up quicker than a crowd watching Angel Hernandez call balls and strikes. So we have gathered the virtual roundtable, and our talented crew behind the scenes knew exactly what they were doing today gathering this group for your viewing pleasure on this day starting with one of the most knowledgeable men in the business senior writer of the athletic MLB on Fox author two-time Emmy Award winner ladies and gentlemen please help me welcome back Ken Rosen to our show what's up Kenny thank you Tim how are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. And speaking of some of the best in the business, my next guy does it in two sports, basketball and baseball. He's won Sportscaster of the Year awards on both sides of the border, and none of that matters because he's got Aaron Rodgers back on his beloved <laughs> Packers. Dan Shulman, anything to say to Vikings fan Arash Madani that you can say on national TV? My son tweeted out today, Aaron Rodgers' cap hit is lower than Kirk Cousins, so I just forwarded that to a and let that marinate. <laughs> we will let it marinate a wee bit, and despite their resumes, neither of those two remarkably accomplished gentlemen have been a major leaguer, never mind a major league all-star. Please help me welcome back the homie, Ricky Romero. What's up, Ricky? What's up, Timmy? Thank you for having me. Of course. And Dan talked about his fandom, and you and I talked in the break along with Ken and Dan. So I'm just, all I'm going to ask you is do you need a hug from your brethren here in Canada after last night's Lakers game? I'm not going to talk about the Lakers, but do you need a virtual hug? Uh, yeah, I think we need more than a hug right now here <laughs> in Los Angeles. I don't think I've ever seen the crowd so, so yeah, out of it. Yeah. It, it's, Kind of weird. Yeah, we're not used to it. It was so quiet. Ken, I don't want to leave you out. Is there a secret fandom outside baseball that you need to speak? Do you have any sort of secret fandom? Music fandoms, but uh, not really baseball fandoms. Yes. What's what's the I'm music? I'm not going to reveal them, though, because oh. I just get heat every time I talk about it. <laughs> that makes me more curious then. <laughs> no, it's Springsteen. It's not a secret. Oh, that's, Springsteen's solid. And then everybody says, all oh, the baseball writers like Springsteen. <laughs> well, yes, of a certain age, that's true. Right. <laughs> the, the only non-hip-hop concert I ever went to, Elliot Friedman got stood up, and I went to see Springsteen with Elliot Friedman in Toronto. <laughs> it was really romantic. All right, let's get into uh, what we're talking about, and that is baseball. Uh, there's a lot of free agency juice going on right now. And listen, yesterday uh, we kind of sort of stoked a Freddie Freeman to Toronto fire by reading Carlos Baerga Instagrams and then referring to his old 
uh, Instagram and being right on some other guys in Toronto. So we don't want to feed that fire. But Ricky, how good would Freddie Freeman look in the Toronto lineup? We've been saying it since <laughs> last year. This this lineup needs a left-handed bat. And to add somebody of that caliber would be amazing to that lineup. And, you know, what better guy to be either hitting in front or behind Blatty? Um, you know, the lineup is stacked already, but adding him, the not only the, the hitter he is, but the, the veteran that he is, the the leader that he is would be a huge, huge thing for the Toronto Blue Jays. Dan, is the Freeman and and to a lesser extent or even maybe to a further extent, the Schwarber chatter just speak to the need of some balance in that lineup and perhaps a left-handed bat? Yeah, I believe so. I agree with Ricky. It's not just that they're almost all right-handed. I think there's an element of sameness to the lineup as well. And it was a great lineup, uh, but there were times against really good pitching when they could be had a little bit uh, against certain types of right-handed pitchers, hard-throwing relievers with sliders. I definitely believe they need at least one, maybe two, left-handed batters or switch hitters to balance out the lineup. And, and you know, getting a weak-hitting left-handed batter to hit eighth, that's not what you're looking for. You, you need somebody in my opinion, up in the top four. Uh, Freeman would be an incredible fit in the lineup. Defensively is another story. They'd have to figure some things out. Schwarber, you could do a little left, a little first, DH, and he takes a ton of walks, and he's got a ton of power. He would be a nice addition as well. But somebody who hits left or switch hits is going to be on this team who's not on this team right now. Ken, what are you hearing on that? Because that's the statement that most Jays fans are are kind of hinged upon right now. We heard Ross Atkins talking about uh, it was kind of double negative, but they're going to add a positional player. Um, does it sound like that's a significant positional player to you? They're certainly trying yeah. on both Freeman and Schwarber, and I was hearing a couple of days ago that they were very strong in their pursuit of Schwarber. Now, the problem is you're never pursuing these players in a vacuum. Yeah. So the Phillies have identified Schwarber as a priority. With Freeman, you've got to varying extents. The Dodgers, we know they're in there. The Rays, I wrote about them today. They actually are serious about this. The Yankees, to some extent, are in. John Heyman reported today that the Red Sox are in, though Freeman would block their top prospect, Tristan Cassis. I don't know how real that is, but there is competition. That's the point. So it is possible they end up with neither of these guys, but if I were a Jays fan, They've certainly done a lot of good things from a financial perspective in the last two off seasons. And I'd be simply excited that they're again playing at that level. That is where you want your team to be. Ken, I got to follow up because it seems like there's a lot of teams in on this. And yet the prize possession of this free agent class was supposed to be Carlos Correa. Is there as many teams in on that or has that kind of cooled? It doesn't seem to be the same with Correa as it is with Freeman. It doesn't seem to be that fervor. Now, I say that with this qualifier. Right. Scott Boris, his agent, Correa's agent, has a knack for pulling teams seemingly out of nowhere and for getting deals that make us go, whoa, when we don't even anticipate them coming. So while it appears Correa's market is limited, in part because other teams have signed shortstops and most teams don't have a particular need there, the ones that are spending money. At the same time, I do not discount the ability of Boris to maybe do something big. They are talking Boris and Correa with the Astros. That is ongoing. The Astros were supposed to make an offer perhaps even as soon as today. But it is odd, Tim, and I'm glad you made that point. 
why not the demand for the 27-year-old shortstop that there is for the 32-year-old first baseman? It does seem a little bit odd. Yeah, it's crazy to me. But when you see the numbers that have gone out for other guys in that position, you understand that you've probably eliminated half of the league at this point from even pondering what Correa would be. All right, let's get to one guy that has signed with the Toronto Blue Jays. Ricky, tell me what you think about the signing of Yusei Kikuchi. I love it. Yeah. You get a power power arm, power lefty. Um, we, we've seen, you know, the highs and the lows with him. I followed him a little bit in Seattle last year. And again, I can't say this enough. When you get to work with the guy that's right behind them on that video, to me, that's that's step number one. Pete Walker is going to get him right. I'm a firm believer in that. We saw what he did with Robbie Ray, obviously, last season and uh, Stephen Matz. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see the progress that Kikuchi makes in this rotation. Dan, how did Pete Walker become the, the pitching whisperer? Uh, I think success and word of mouth. I firmly believe, and and Ricky and Kenny can speak to this, that a pitcher has a good experience with a pitching coach, and then, you know, his buddy's a free agent. His buddy calls him up and says, what's Toronto like and what's Pete like? And and I think Pete has a great knack for not uh, saying, you, you know, not putting pitchers in a box. He lets them talk to him and tell them what's important to them, what they feel good about, what they feel they need to work on. He doesn't go into a pitcher's first throwing session and say, no, 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 you can't do that. we got to change that right away. He, he, he earns their trust. He becomes their friend. Um, and, and I, I, you know, when Robbie Ray does what he does and Steven Matz does what he does, if you're a free agent pitcher, and I know, um, it, Kikuchi may not have had a relationship with him, but if, if you're a free agent pitcher, how can you not look at the, those two guys and say, boy, those are lefties, those are stuff guys and lefties. I'm a stuff guy and a lefty. Maybe he can help me like he helped them. And now the money's got to be right too, right? Nobody goes there for uh, for much less money than the best offer. But I, I think it's just the track record of success that he's had and the word of mouth about you know, how he relates, how well he relates to pitchers. So now you look at the Jays' starting rotation, Ken, and and on paper, they are as good as anyone in the American League right now. If you go five, six deep, we haven't even brought up Nate Pearson when we say, you know, those five, and this is one of those guys that uh, people looked at and said maybe this is, you know, a a high-end guy. So the Jays are looking good. Is there another – and I understand – uh, games are not played on paper. They are played by little men in our television sets. But the little men in our television set, Kenny, who can change this look at the Jays being among the best? Is there a free agent out there right now that might be added to another team that you think can be a difference maker? For the Jays rotation? No, I mean outside of the Jays. Is there another free agent oh, out there? Not that... from a pitching standpoint. Yeah. No, I don't believe there is a great free agent out there. In fact, probably the best remaining starter on the market is Zach Greinke. And Zach Greinke is an older guy now. He's not quite what he was, though he's still accomplished and someone you'd like on your club. Outside of that, we're talking about guys like Julio Tehran and Drew Smiley and a much lesser group. And what I expect is the Oakland A's to shake up that market a little bit by trading Frankie Montas, trading Sean Manaya. Right. And that is where the starting pitching is going to come from. Maybe the Reds will trade Castillo or Molly as well, but there just isn't that much out there. And in fact, I was just talking with a beat writer for the Cubs who works for the Athletic, and he said, my gosh, they've got to find some guys. They don't have enough innings here to cover. And it's a problem for other teams as well. The Twins are scrambling for starting pitching. So right now, 
it's difficult for those clubs. And that is why when you look at the Jays rotation, and yes, it is on paper, Tim, I understand that, but I'm with you. That is a good-looking group on paper. You've got Manoa on the rise. Barrios still on the rise. Gossman found himself in San Francisco. He should be fine. Ryu, we know what he can do. Kikuchi is essentially the number five, and he is a guy who can do some things as well. So I love this group. Pearson backs them up. They've got others as well. They are in a situation right now where they are built to win, and I don't know how big they're going to win, but they're in a good spot. Uh, Ricky, you and I seem to come on the air every time Alec Manoa pitched in the major leagues last year, and we would sit here and, and uh, you know, ooh and ah at what he was. H- how do you see year number two, and how much pressure is on a guy like that to live up to what he did in his first year, and does maybe having a couple more guys that you can bank on in that rotation ease that pressure a little bit? Yeah, I think so. Uh, um, big time. Um, when you have a Gosman in front of you, um, and you have a Barrios in front of you, two two guys that that you can rely on being right-handed. Um, there, I would say Manoa, knowing Manoa and who he is, I don't think he's putting a lot of pressure on himself because he's so confident in himself that he knows what he's got to go out there and do. So uh, I expect him to be just as good as he was last season, and he's going to be a key part in this rotation. And if he's able to do his part, it's like like Kenny said, it's going to make this rotation that much better. The depth that they have is really, really good. At the end of the day, yeah, the hitters, the lineup looks great, but pitching is going to win you the ball games. And that's maybe why the Jays are the favorites to win the American League East. All right, so Romero, Rosenthal, Shulman gathered for this baseball roundtable. They have agreed to two segments. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about whether the shortened spring training will be an adjustment for these teams and who should be the favorite in the American League East and beyond. The virtual roundtable continues on Tim and Friends next. Tweeted at 4.33 Eastern Time, at Tim and Friends on Twitter. Interesting choice of song before introducing Yusei Kikuchi at Blue Jays thinking face emoji. What was that song? For the kids, including Jesse, that is the fix. One thing leads to another. Not quite Springsteen, Ken, but will one thing lead to another in Blue Jays land? Do you believe that they will come up with one of those big names that we were talking about? That's impossible to say, Tim. Yeah. And it's just too difficult to determine and predict this kind of thing. People ask me all this time, like, where's this guy going? Where's that guy going? And if I give an answer, invariably I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like I said before, they're in there, yeah. and that alone says something. And granted, if they strike out on both, it's a little problematic because of what Dan and Ricky said before, their need for a left-handed hitter. Right. But at the same time, there are other ways to do that, and there is a lot of movement right now in the sport, a lot of talk, trade, and otherwise. And I expect if they get shut out on those two, they'll figure out something else. Tim, we went a whole segment without you mentioning Jose Ramirez. I would, I, I would not have taken the over on that. Oh, I would have taken the so, under on that. So, yeah, it's funny because I've stayed away from the Jose Ramirez because I think the price is too high. Do you think if they strike out on those two, does the price become whatever the hell they need? 
I think I'll echo Ken's sentiment. It's impossible to know. We don't know if Freeman is their first target because they'd rather give up money than prospects or if maybe Ramirez is their first target because they're worried about giving six years to a 32-year-old, even if he's Freddie Freeman. We, we don't know. We have no way of knowing what the Guardians are asking for. I think the Matt Olson deal is a pretty good indicator. There's a lot of similarities uh, between Olson and Ramirez in terms of talent and contract and age and and that sort of thing we don't know somebody again somebody's coming but i'm sure they're you know aiming high and if not then they go down to level b and if they can't get a b guy they go down to level c but uh, again somebody who's not on the team now is going to be on the team pretty soon the other one thing tim on ramirez i just want to make this point cleveland is in a much different situation than oakland right oakland is clearly tearing down cleveland has a new name the guardians and they want to build their brand and to me, this is not the right time for them to trade Jose Ramirez. In fact, they have been trying to add. They were in on Matt Olson. They've been in on some other hitters as well. Now, clearly they have not succeeded in those quests yet, but I don't see them tearing down right now. I see them trying to build up. And again, easier said than done, but Jose Ramirez to Toronto, that to me would be an extreme long shot. Ricky, here, here's the reason why a lot of people in Toronto are bringing up Jose Ramirez. One, he's a switch hitter. Two, he's really good. Three, he's a third baseman. So you can just plop him right in and then you've got Espinal and Biggio platooning at second base and Vladdy stays at first. If they went out and got a Schwarber, if they went out and got a Freeman, would the idea of Vladdy going back to third base be on the table? Ross Atkins said today that he expects Vladdy to be playing some third base. We saw Vladdy on the field with a infielder's glove working out. Like, what's your take on Vladdy getting some reps back at third after what was a really successful transition to first? Yeah, to me, he, he just looks so comfortable at first base. And what he was able to do last year, we all know what he did offensively, but what, he's, what he was able to do defensively, to me, was way more than anybody ever thought. So he's, he looks comfortable. He's, he, to me, you don't, you don't mess with that. And if you bring in a Schwarber, we mentioned earlier, he, he, he can play the outfield. He has no problem DHing. Now, if you want to get Blatty off his feet a little bit, then you, you, you plug him in at first base. Whereas Freeman, I feel like he comes in, he's the first baseman, and then does it mess a little bit with Vladdy? We don't know, you know, um, from from going from first to third or or them flip-flopping and, 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 and that kind of stuff. So I just, I leave Vladdy alone. I, he's my first baseman and he go out there and, and do what you did last year, kid. And, and here we go. Does anyone else want to weigh in on Vladdy going back to third and getting reps there? The only thing, I mean, listen, he's Freddie Freeman, right? He's a future Hall of Famer. He's a great guy, left-handed batter. This has nothing to do with, this is not a knock at all on Freddie Freeman. But like Ricky was saying, if Freddie Freeman comes, I got to believe he's going to play first base most of the time, which means Vlad, you know, Vladdy can play maybe 30, 40 games at first. You let Freeman DH. But you want to have that DH spot open a little bit for George Springer, too. Like, they're going to need that. Yeah. And maybe Teoscar Hernandez, maybe Bo Bichette, maybe Lourdes Gurriel. There's no, if Freddie Freeman comes, Vladdy's going to have to play third. What if he goes o- goes over there and it doesn't work? It's not great defensively. You you can't you can't move the puzzle pieces around. You're committed, and, and maybe I shouldn't worry about this part, but I'm a worrier by nature. But what about it, you know if he's not comfortable defensively? Does that then? Uh, you know, leak into his at-bats at all because now he's thinking. Like Ricky said, he was so comfortable and so relaxed and he had such an extraordinary year. 
it's a tough call. And we don't, you know, we've heard they're in on Freddie Freeman and it sounds like they're serious. So I would assume that Mark Shapiro, Ross Atkins, Charlie Montoyo, they've all had conversations with Vladdy about this. And you're not doing this unless Vladdy's on board is my guess. I, I don't know. I love the idea. Honestly, Tim, yeah. I don't love it. And just for all the things Ricky said, we have a superstar player who really last year got into better shape, became an adequate defender, if not better than that. And now you're going to mess with him again, potential MVP. It is a troubling aspect of this whole thing. Now, if you get Freddie Freeman, you don't worry about it. You have the DH to play with. But at the same time, I would rather not be messing with him at third base other than maybe five, ten games a year at most. We're running out of time here, and I wanted to get so much more in. But we were showing the odds in the American League East, and I found it really interesting. And I don't know how much longer it will stay in effect, but Canada still has the border closed to unvaccinated players. And the last thing I want to do is get into a science convo. But that could be an advantage for the Jays. And now we're hearing the same with the Mets and the Yankees in New York. Rosie, do you have an idea on how many players that could affect? And does that change the convo, as we show Aaron Judge? Uh, does that change the convo on who you would like in the American League East? Well, first of all, with the Mets and Yankees in New York, I would think that there is a lot of talk going back and forth between those teams in the city right now about lifting that exemption. And of course, it would affect Kyrie Irving in the NBA as well. The rates down here are much lower than they've been with the COVID. And frankly, they're down to a really low level. I can see that happening. Now, the Canadian decree is much different. And yes, it will have an effect on certain players and teams. Now, you heard the Red Sox today. Xander Bogart said he was vaccinated. Christian Arroyo said he was vaccinated. Those two players were not vaccinated last season. And the Yankees, when Aaron Judge was asked the question today about whether he's vaccinated, kind of deflected it, didn't answer it one way or the other. So it is an issue, certainly, for teams coming to Canada, as long as that rule law remains in place. And let's face it, it is really meaningful because every game matters. And, Ricky, you know this. One game can make the difference in a pennant race, and that is a huge thing. Especially in the AOEs. We know how tough the division is, and if you're missing key players in in division games, it'll make it even tougher on you. So, yeah. Uh, It it feels like that time again, gentlemen. It feels like where we north of the border can expect spring to come. When we start seeing those pictures from south of the border in Florida, we know that the snow that's falling right now in Toronto will eventually end and summer will be here. Love talking baseball with all three of you guys. Thank you very much for doing this. Ricky, Ken, and Dan. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. Thank you. The uh, roundtable virtually disassembled here on Tim and Friends. And what a great roundtable it was. After the break, we shift our focus to hockey. Five Canadian teams in action tonight, just six days away from the deadline. Rumors swirling. Tevez Renault Lavoie will help us sort through it next. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much. Sheepdogs back here. Hour number two, full hour on Sportsnet 360, which includes Mark Spears on the NBA. Just a half an hour to go on Sportsnet. Hockey Central will take the reins at 6.30 Eastern time. Renaud Lavoie will stop by in minutes to discuss the looming trade deadline. But first... 
Here's what's happening at this hour. The news of the day, the Leafs host the Stars with no Austin Matthews as he sits the first of his two-game suspension. John Tavares will center Marner and Bunting in Matthews' absence. Kerfoot between William Nylander and Nick Robertson on the second line. Robertson will face his brother, Jason, on the other side. Wade Simmons and Travis Dermott. Healthy scratches with Kyle Clifford inserted into the lineup. And in net for the Leafs, 25-year-old rookie Eric Schalgren will get his first NHL start. Here's Sheldon Keefe on that. Obviously we felt really good about his, you know, his time in the net. The last time we were in this building, you know, we made the decision to, to, to play Peter in the outdoor game and I think Peter did a good job for us in that game, but you know, I think we've, we saw enough in the short time uh, in the net for us and his time in the AHL here to, you know, to give him an opportunity. Boy, they're really working Peter Morazic's confidence. <laughs> in Edmonton, the Oilers look for a third straight win as they host the Red Wings. You can see it regionally on Sportsnet West, 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain. Josh Archibald plays game number two in the season. Well, Jesse Pugliarvi remains out, but he could be back on Thursday. He's been a horse for them. Miko Koskinen once again between the pipes. In Vancouver, the Canucks host the Devils. You can see it regionally on Sportsnet Pacific at 7 p.m. local time. Now, the Canucks enter the night three points back of a playoff spot with all eyes on the management team at the deadline. Canucks have lost 12 straight versus the Devils. Most mystifying, scoring only eight goals in the last eight games against them total. Of course, another Hughes brothers meeting as well. Bruce Boudreaux was asked earlier if he's uh, scoreboard watching the playoff race these days. It's a lot easier scoreboard watching from here because you get pretty tired staying up till two o'clock in the morning uh, on the, on the, when you're on the East Coast watching a game. So I much prefer doing this. And you know he's just watching games because he loves hockey oh, and sports. It's such a good quote. <laughs> it's just a good what guy. A uh, huge game for the Jets. Playoff chances as they host the Golden Knights, who currently hold down the second wild card and are up four points on Winnipeg entering the night. Now Vegas struggling, lost four straight, lots of injuries. Jets coming in off of a OT win in St. Louis. Now Andrew Kopp, game time decision after leaving that game while Mark Shifley celebrates his 29th birthday today. Laurent Boissois starts against his former team for Vegas. The Habs and Coyotes play in a battle of the league's bottom three teams. The Habs enter the night last overall in the NHL, Sebastian, but just two points back of the Coyotes. So Sevi saying lose this game. Interesting note on the Habs side, Ben Sherratt out of the lineup decision made by management with the trade deadline six days away. And I guess Sherratt almost surely to be traded. But for more information like that, we go to the source. Tevez Renaud Lavoie joins me now from the press room in Montreal. Welcome back to the yep. show, Renaud. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. It's a busy press room. Uh, the uh, Quebec Junior League best prospects uh, are in town right now. And they oh, were nice. here a few minutes ago for a press conference. So that's why it's uh, kind of busy here. Okay, so is it also busy with all the speculation surrounding this Montreal team six days away from the deadline and now Ben Sherratt on the sidelines yeah. waiting for what seems like an eventual deal? Who do you see as the favorites to pick up Sherratt? Or is there too many to name at this point? No, no. You know what? Here in Montreal, uh, when that was announced this morning that Ben Sherratt is not going to play, everybody thought that he was traded to the St. Louis Blues. The real question here is... Um, 
And it's not about only about the, the St. Louis Blues. It's about all the teams that are interested. It's how do you judge um, uh, Ben Chirot, okay? Uh, is, he, is he a top four defenseman on a really good team in the NHL? Some teams are saying no. Teams are saying no, he's not a top four. He's probably a top five. Uh, you know, you need to look at his career. He's having uh, his best season in the NHL right now, or maybe second best season after uh, he arrived here uh, in Montreal uh, three seasons ago. He scored nine goals that, that year. So there's a lot of uh, people in, in, you know, GMs, uh, scouts, assistant GMs who are looking at Ben Chirot, and it's tough for them to judge Uh, who is he uh, exactly? Uh, I believe he's a really strong uh, defenseman, really good defensively. But are you prepared to, to pay a first-round pick and a third-round pick for a, a defenseman that some teams think that he's a, a, a fifth defenseman on, on a good team? So that's the biggest question mark right now for teams. That's why he's not traded as of right now. Um, maybe we'll know more in the next uh, 24, 48 hours, but I wouldn't be surprised that he's not traded by Saturday uh, or by Thursday. So we'll see. But that doesn't mean that he's not going to be traded. At one point, it's either the Montreal Canadiens who are going to ask for a little less or there's one team who's going to pull the trigger. It seems like that fit of a player, though, draws a lot of attention at every deadline. And if you wait yeah. long enough, you might get your price. And that seems like what, what we're doing right now with Jeff Gorton and company is that you're kind of playing the waiting pattern to get that price. Yeah, and that the reason why he's not playing tonight, too, is because you want to make sure that he's going to be healthy. Right. You need to, to be really careful here. I don't know if you remember, but a month ago, He had an ankle injury, nothing major, uh, but he was close to be traded to the uh, uh, the Flames, the Calgary Flames, and it didn't happen. And after that, people was they were questioning the way he was playing. He was not uh, playing really, really well. But after that injury, I think he was one of the best defensemen for the Montreal Canadiens. He was, uh, you know, just a beast out there playing like, uh, you know, we're used to see him play here in Montreal. So. Uh, For me, if you look at all the, the left defensemen available uh, at 3.5 million cap hit, I understand that Mark Giordano's got more leadership. Uh, and I think Giordano is a Norris uh, a trophy winner. You have to respect him and all the leadership that he's bringing. But he's making twice his salary. Uh, so twice the salary of Ben Chirot. If I had to pick right now, I'll go with Ben Chirot before. Uh, not a ton of sellers right now. Um, does it feel like Montreal has a few changes to make? Would you be surprised if there was more than Ben Chirot that went? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, there'll be some changes here. What about Brett Kulak and other defensemen? What's uh, next for him? Uh, some teams calls, uh, obviously. Uh, you have to expect that even a team like Toronto uh, to, 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 to be interested uh, in him. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But he's the type of defenseman, obviously, that uh, uh, the Leafs can use. And not only the Maple Leafs, you're not going to give a, you know, a first-round pick for him, but you're going to bring depth. And if something happens and you need, uh, there's an injured defenseman, he's going to jump in and play a good hockey for you. So there's some value in him. Um, and so, yes, and, and you have the other players. Chris Weidman is playing on the power play here. Um, playing big minutes. Is he going to stay? Is he going to sign an, an extension with the Canes? We'll see. Uh, everybody's talking about Archery Lekkonen. Uh, he's having uh, his best uh, season in the NHL since his rookie year. That's another player that, uh, you know, they're hoping to get another first-round pick for him. 
But at the same time, uh, I think there's more more value in keeping a guy like him uh, than uh, trading him right now. All right, let's move on to some other teams around the league, Renault. And it feels like there are a few markets in this country right now kind of combing the goaltending market to see what's out there and what could make a difference on their team. How serious yeah. do you think Marc-Andre Fleury would be in conversation to go somewhere else, even though we know that it took a little bit to get him to Chicago? Yeah, you know what? I, I believe that everything is possible uh, with Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, you know, maybe a, a month ago, was there any chance for him to play uh, for uh, Toronto Maple Leafs at one point? The answer would have been no. Today, uh, I'm not convinced. It's a, a, a sure no. Uh, we'll see. Uh, same thing with the uh, Colorado Avalanche. I think that uh, at one point, uh, you know, Mark Andre was hoping that he'll be traded, uh, even when he was traded to uh, Chicago, be traded uh, from Chicago uh, before the start of the season or training camp, I should say, uh, to uh, to Denver. It didn't happen, but there's a fit, I, I believe. And knowing that they have a good goalie there, maybe Mark Andre can jump in and, and you know, bring. Uh, uh, a good presence in the dressing room, and not only that, be a, be a good goalie if needed. Uh, and if you look at the Toronto Maple Leaf situation, uh, I understand what's going on right now. But for me, Jack Campbell is a really good goalie. He's injured right now. I think everybody's need to take a breather. I believe that he can do a, a lot of good things with uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I understand it's a tough market, but if you look at the big picture, uh, in my in my mind, there's nothing wrong with Jack Campbell. Yeah, it's tough to tell Canadian markets to take a breather. I try and do it all the time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it doesn't work so well for me. Hey, listen. I understand. The, the Marc-Andre Fleury is real interesting to me. And one of the names that I heard thrown out there in relation to, to Fleury was really intriguing. And I got to break. Is there any chance that Vegas could be back in on Marc-Andre Fleury? No. No. Okay. No, but because... Think about it. I know. It makes sense. It makes sense. Okay? It makes sense. Uh, and I know Marc Andre is uh, one of the, you know, he's the best guy in the world. Yeah, everyone loves him. But he, but yeah. But he learned that he was traded to Chicago via Twitter. Right. At one point, you need to say, listen, you can think uh, whatever you, you want about me. But even if, um, you know, over the years, uh, I saw Robin Leonard coming in, I shut my mouth, I tried to be a good teammate, and I was a good teammate, and I tried everything to help this team. At one point, you need to respect me. And to learn that he was traded via Twitter, I think is a total lack of respect for a franchise player. Um, and, I mean, I, I, I don't see how this could be possible. It's a little sad because it would be totally logic for Marc-Andre Fleury to go back to Vegas and maybe play there next year. You never know. But the way things happen, um, I'll, uh, and, and I'm pretty sure that it's easy for the owner or maybe GM to, to make a phone call to make sure that, you know, you can uh, uh, make sure that everybody's going to cross the bridge at one point and, and right. we'll turn the page and we'll be happy. I mean, that's possible. But at the same time, uh, I think it was really hurtful for Marc-Andre's family the way 
uh, things happens uh, with uh, the Golden Knights uh, last summer. Right. And so for those who don't know, sometimes a GM or, or an owner will make a call to a guy in the media to put a feeler out there to see how someone would respond to either a rumor out there or, in this case, how a guy would feel about maybe eventually making a return to Vegas, and that might be part of the equation here. Um, one more name that I got to throw out to you that is really intriguing to me if it ends up on the market. You think Hampus Lindholm could end up on the market at this deadline? Why not? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of names that are out there that, that are, there's a lot of players who ask to be traded. Uh, their name is not out there. Right. There's a lot of players like we just don't know about them okay but people will be a little surprised i think uh, to to hear a couple of guys who asked for trades over the uh, the last few months um you know how my business work and our business work sometimes you you're you're hearing things you're learning things but you're you're being told you're not allowed to say it right so you need to be really careful but don't be surprised what i mean by that don't be surprised if you hear names uh in the, during the next week, or maybe at the deadline, players with uh, good contract, uh, still a couple of years left, that asked to be traded and are playing on another team. That it, it could really happen. I'm not saying it's a slam dunk, but I know that some GMs right now are working the phone and are make, trying to to uh, make sure that these names are not going to be out there uh, in the media. But there, there is. Uh, there is a good value, and then there is a lot of discussions regarding uh, names that we we're not hearing right now. Who is the team that needs to make a move before Monday to solidify their chances this year? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, you see the avalanche there. I, I believe Joe Sackick is really aggressive. Uh, the last two days, he, he he made two trades, and it's. I think you know if you look at the big picture. We talked about uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, Claude Giroux is a possibility. I think that the Avalanche, they want to make sure that this year is their year. Um, you have, uh, you know, the uh, the Flames that are probably the best team in the NHL right now, or top three easily. You you know that they're out there uh, on every name, by the way. It, it, from Ben Sherrod to Claude Giroux, whatever, they're everywhere. Can they, uh, you know, pull the trigger and and, uh, you know, make a, a big trade, we'll see. But uh, I believe, like, if you look at the Western Conference, it's wide open. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of teams that uh, they can do a lot of damages. What I believe that, if you're asking me, if, if there's one team, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs needs to do something quickly. They need to get at least one good, really good defenseman. Uh, venture up type of D. I don't understand why that's not, uh, they're not really interested in him, but, <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. It, we're not managing that team. And the other, the other team for me, it's another Canadian team. It's the Edmonton Oilers. I don't like the way they're playing. I understand that they have goaltending issues, but they, they, they do need another good defenseman too. But there's a couple of uh, injured uh, players that are coming back. So probably it's going to happen. Renaud, always appreciate talking hockey with you. Love to see the action in and around you in the media room. Yeah. Uh, good to see the kids in and around. Thanks for doing this. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. There is Renaud Lavoie from TVA. Jesse, it almost feels like, and we're going to get to the break, and we're going to get to Hockey Central in a flash. It almost feels like if the Leafs don't make the move, 
This is Kyle Dubas saying, this is how I want to do it. Because the world is saying, go get it yourself a tough defenseman or another one outside of Labushkin. Yeah, tough defenseman or a goalie has to be a move. I would be stunned if he doesn't do anything. But if it's one of those bigger name puck possession, if it's a Lindholm, like that's not exactly what we're talking about. No, here, not right? the guy that, not the guy that you have said that they need. I, I, well, I'm not alone though. Renault just said the same thing. Of, Nick yeah. Kiprios has said the same Most thing. Most of just, Leafs Nation. All right, time for a break. <laughs> uh, we'll get you caught up to late on Champions League action. Man United playing today. Did we see another Ronaldo hat trick? Plus, Daryl Sutter being Daryl Sutter. We'll explain next. Here on Twitter Friends. Welcome back, Champions League round of 16. Two today, two tomorrow. Let's start with Man U, Atletico Madrid. Cristiano Ronaldo trying to advance to the Champions League quarterfinals for the first time since 2019. 40th minute, Anthony Alonga goes down under a challenge by Ronaldo. Not Ronaldo, but Ronaldo. No call on the play. Go back the other way. DePaul gets it to Antoine Griezmann. Griezmann over to Renan Lodi. And he squeezes a header short side. United upset. Think they should have had a free kick at the other end. Instead, they're down 2-1 on aggregate. Blow the whistle. 77th minute. United free kick. Rafael Varane. Stop. Ronaldo on the rebound. Also stopped by Yan Oblak. Manchester United eliminated from the Champs League. Diego Simone pelted by garbage as he leaves the pitch. Atletico Madrid. Keep it classy, Manchester. Keep it classy. I thought Madrid moves on 2-1 on aggregate. We'll see if Sid tweets out stuff of Ronaldo not doing his job as his Champs League team goes down. Ronaldo or Ronaldo? Ronaldo. <laughs> Amsterdam Ajax. Speaking of Sid, his favorite team, Benfica, tied 2-2 on aggregate. 76th minute, Edson Alvarez called for a foul on Gonzalo Ramos. Free kick Benfica, and guess what? Darwin Nunez rises and heads it home. 1-0 Benfica. They win the tie 3-2 on aggregate. This Ajax fan can't believe it. Good-looking fella, I believe. Either way, he can't believe it. Benfica advanced to the quarterfinals. So bad news for Sid, good news for Sid. Our old friend Sichero watching these two fixtures very closely. We'll have two more games tomorrow before we get to the quarterfinals and another draw in Champs League action. Jesse, I don't know if you know this because Sid was co-hosting with me. Mm -hmm. When the Calgary Flames hired Daryl Sutter, I wasn't a fan. I thought it was recycling an easy addition to the team and didn't think there was much thought to it. I was wrong. Daryl Sutter has been exactly what the Calgary Flames needed. And not only that, I've quickly fallen in love with Daryl Sutter. You know this. His post-game, his pre-game has me absolutely gripped. Today was absolutely no different. I've got two clips that I want to play for you. One of them about the Avs, the other about the Jack Adams. Here's deep thoughts with Daryl Sutter on the Colorado Avalanche and take note of the wonderful shirt that he's wearing. It'll have to be team fall off the face of the earth for a wild card to come out of this division. And, I, and if you are a wild card team, I sure as hell don't want to play Colorado in the first round because it's going to be a waste of eight days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
awesome. He's so good. Is he providing like um, motivation for the team that eventually plays the Colorado Avalanche? Is that what he's trying to do? No, I just think he's pumping the tires of the Colorado Avalanche in case his team has to face them in the postseason. Right. Okay. And now, more deep thoughts with Daryl Sutter and his ripped T-shirt, this time on the Jack Adams Award. Not in that stuff. You know me better than that. All right, we got Jack Adams covered. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who Jack Adams was? Heard of yeah. yeah, he was a miserable old guy. Gordy Howe always talked about Jack Adams. <laughs> he also still looks like he could tear you limb from limb, doesn't oh, he? Oh my goodness! Look at like look at the, the body neck fat's area, like ten percent max. <laughs> like he's like he looks like he's still working on the farm. It's very impressive. Uh, I want to ask you if you think he, because he strikes me as the type of person who has never enjoyed doing this, but nowadays it seems like he enjoys it. I don't think that you can tell whether or not Daryl Sutter is enjoying anything. Right. That's part of... He's an enigma. <laughs> I just think that's his... I think he thoroughly enjoyed himself there, and you couldn't tell. Someone asked him, he's going to win the Jack Adams Award. Thankfully, because I have it in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. I was waiting for that to drop. I was waiting for right. you to go to it. That offer has gone up, by the way. Like, the cash out has gone up. The cash out yeah, has gone yeah, up significantly yeah. over the I, last I little can, while. I can imagine why. Uh, because he's damn good. Uh, but more deep thoughts with Daryl Sutter, who, like, let's be honest. Oh, you, you want to focus in on I the just, neck? A little bit. A little bit. Like, how do you think that went down? We're, we're, who did that? Was he, that? Oh, he did that. For what purpose? Exactly. To clear space for the traps to breathe. <laughs> he said, this shirt is shirt. too tight, and then just went like this. It's a, t- it's a tight shirt. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to rock that. I don't know if, there's, I don't know if you could there's pull no, that off. No, it's ripped. It's cut. It's like, cut. No, that's scissors cut. It, yeah. It's scissors cut. It's, it, it's, I mean. He made effort to do that. Cameraman zoom it. Shout out Shiki Baby. Noruz Mubarek. Right on the, on the, this side right here, the, it, it juts out a little bit, right. Jesse, mm-hmm. as if it weren't cut by scissors. As if that was a tear job. Would if, if in fact you took scissors, you just the shirt's too tight, let me get the scissors mm-hmm. and cut down, would it not in fact be straight down and not jut out the way it does here? I mean, it's possible. I've never done that to a shirt before. Am I? Uh, maybe, maybe you have. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you have. No. Not, not for about 25 years. Oh, that's Man, so the good. Jolly Rancher looks like he could still, I don't know. Don't want to get on the wrong side bale of him. Bale hay? I don't want to get on the wrong side of him. Is that what you do on the farm? Like, you bale hay? You're asking me. What, You're asking me what they do on a farm. I don't even know what kind of farm he had. I should know it. Someone can tweet in from Calgary and tell us what kind of like it seems like a cattle ranch if he's in Alberta and he's a farmer. Your guess is li- literally, quite literally, as good as mine when it comes to what Daryl Sutter's farm is like. Well, I'll tell you what Daryl Sutter is going to have on the farm. He's going to have a Jack Adams Award at the yeah. end of this year. And no matter what kind of guy he was back in the day or the stories that Gordie Howe, who, by the way, was God rest his soul, was no angel himself, mm-hmm. Gordie Howe. If you're telling stories from Gordie Howe, <laughs> then that guy must have been a real jackass because Gordie Howe could push people around too. Um, so he is your Jack Adams Award winner. And I don't even think, like, like, I don't have to wait for this cash out. I think I just wait till it actually cashes out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. don't want to get in front of this one and take it and then regret leaving the money on the table. I think you've got you to keep that. 
And your, your point about the recycling of coaches that kicked off this conversation, does that change your perspective moving forward that the NHL tends to do this a lot? They recycle coaches a yeah. lot, but if this happens more often, like... I think this, I mean, we only got 15 seconds before Hockey Central takes over, yeah. but this new age of analytics needs its offset. Mm-hmm. And I believe, like, someone like this who knows how to hold players accountable is very valuable in this day and age. Especially because, with a V-neck. Yeah. <laughs> because accountability isn't bad. Right. It's actually good. You just got to know how to do it. Time to send it to Hockey Central on Sportsnet. David Amber, Mike Feuda, Justin Bourne standing by. As for us, we're back on Sportsnet 360. Mark Spears will join us to discuss the Raptors and the Lakers. His trip to Senegal and the African Pro League will discuss all of that in 60 seconds on Sportsnet 360. Tim and Prince. Can continue if you want. So we like the sunshine. We usually play pretty well down here. Welcome everyone to Los Angeles, California. Barnes, guarded by James. Scotty puts it up over LeBron. His name is Scotty Barnes. Drop off the turnover. Achua. Pressure's getting up to the top of the block to go get that. Spinning. Off balance. Count it. Plus the foul. 20 points. The career best seven consecutive games. Playing the best basketball of his career. What in the Laker world is going on? And how about Trent Jr. Operating in the paint. Count it. And the foul. They're just playing together. The chemistry is strong. And they're playing with so much effort. Impressive W winning it wire to wire. Let's go Raptors ringing out at Crypto.com or whatever the hell they're calling it these days. It's really the Staples Center, but that's a sponsorship too, so who really cares? Either way, thorough was the domination early. The Lakers kind of sort of made a game of it, but in the end, they are scraping the bottom of the barrel. We bring in Mark Spears, fresh off a trip to Africa. Spearsy, welcome back to uh, North America. How was your journey, my friend? Uh, first of all, man, California people are starting to have a problem with Raptor fans taking over arenas out here, man. Uh, you know, I, first you guys closed down Oracle, now this, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we can afford tickets in the new joint in San Francisco, though. <laughs> <laughs> that thing's um, expensive. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I had an amazing trip. Um, the Thanks. Basketball Africa League started its second season uh, two weeks ago. And so I was in uh, Dakar, Senegal, uh, covering that. And, and it was certainly really amazing to, to see basketball in Africa, uh, to hear the drums, to hear the horns, to see the dancing. They're dancing 30 minutes before the game and dancing 30 minutes after the game. It, it was an atmosphere. And I've been to basketball games all over the world. I had never uh, experienced a basketball atmosphere like that in the Kembe the Maasai, and we're having a great time dancing with the crowd. Uh, so I'll never forget that. And it, it's a league that's still a lot of work and in, in progress there. But the NBA believes that in time, uh, the best talent, uh, the, you know, coming internationally is, is going to be coming from Africa. And they want to help build that foundation. You know, it's funny. Um, we're talking about an America's tournament in Canada right now. And the CEBL is playing in it. And people were, I said, for those who understand how much a domestic league means to countries outside of the United States of America, 
Um, this was a big win for the Edmonton Stingers last night. And people kind of came back at me and were like, why do we need a domestic league? And it's to provide opportunities for guys that aren't quite there yet, may still get there, still have professional jobs, still have professional coaches, still have things, trainers, all of the, the, the foundation that is built in leagues can help you develop to a higher level. Is, is that what you're starting to see in Africa with this league where there is a foundation where you can now see the steps, Mark? Yeah, it's like, why do you have the CFL, right? right. You got the NFL. Right. Right. I mean, you, you could have said that same thing. I mean, uh, from a Canadian standpoint, I think that league is great. NBA is only 450 players, man. Right. It, it, it's hard for anybody from anywhere to become one of those 450. So why not have a really good league in, in Canada? Why not have a really good league in Africa? And that's the one things that the NBA is saying, hey, we're not just looking to develop teams in, I mean, develop players for the NBA. We want to have a place or build a place so that African players can feel proud to play in and play at home. It, it's really more of a tournament than a league, and to be honest. I mean, um, the champions, it's kind of like a champions league, right? so to speak, of Africa, where the, the best teams from all the, the leagues across the continent come together and play in this tournament. So... The first round of play is uh, finishing up in Rwanda, in um, Senegal tonight. The next round of six teams plays in Egypt. And then the finals are in Kigali, Rwanda. Um, but while I was there, you heard a lot about Siakam. You heard a lot about Giannis. You heard a lot about Embiid. Right. And obviously you heard a lot about Matambo and Akeem. And I think more and more kids from Africa are seeing these guys and are inspired by them. I want to be like them. I went to the uh, Seeds Academy in Thais, uh, Senegal, and, and seeing these kids uh, who are not only getting a basketball opportunity, but they're getting an the education kind of in the boarding school process as well. Right. And uh, Gorgie Ding from the Hawks, he came from this school. There, there are going to be more. Um, and if I'm an American college coach or if I'm even a Canadian college coach, yep. I'm looking at seeds. I'm looking at the uh, basketball academy in uh, Sally, Senegal, at the NBA runs and trying to recruit some of these kids to come to my school to play. Mark Spears joining us here on Tim and Friends. All right, let's, uh, let's shift focus. Uh, I know that there's work being uh, posted right now uh, at the Undisputed, so check it out. We'll retweet some of it for our good friend Mark Spears. But let's get to what the hell happened last night in uh, Los Angeles. Are you... Are you more interested in the Raptors' four-game winning streak against good teams or what the hell's happening with LeBron James and the Lakers? And I listen, I know you're on in Canada, but be honest here. I mean, uh, the, the Lakers thing's been going on for a while. That's nothing new. You, <laughs> you guys just paid attention more yesterday because the Raptors were playing. Well, Kenny Smith, well, kept, Kenny Smith kept telling me, ah, they're injured. Don't worry about it. Ah, they're injured. Don't worry about yeah. it. And then I looked up the big three injuries, and it's the exact same number as the Raptors, and the Raptors are 10 games up on them. Yeah, the, the Lakers are now 10 games under 500. Yeah. But here's the thing about the Raptors that's intriguing. Like, you know, I pay attention to the whole league. Yeah, They got the, the longest winning streak in the Eastern Conference right now. They're rising as a good, at a good time. 
the challenge for them is getting out of the play-in. You don't want you don't want to be in that. Yeah. Right. You you could then they have the potential to move up to six. I, I believe maybe five. Right. So the one thing that's scary about the Raptors to me is they have so many different guys that can score, so many different weapons that they could go to. They're, they're to me they're a hard team to to focus on defensively because you you know Trent could give you twenty five. Young fella right there can give you 25. Fred, you know, obviously Pascal, like, oh, gee, this, like, who do you focus on, right? Um, and that's the and way they so, play. Um, and then in terms of Barnes, like, the confidence he got yesterday, I mean, why should he be scared to play against anybody with the way he started against LeBron James and made LeBron work yesterday? So, the Raptors are certainly one of those teams that you don't want to play in the postseason. And another thing that's interesting is they do like finish seventh <laughs> and the Nets finish eighth. Yeah. Kyrie can't play in the play in. He can't come up yep. there. Yep. And y'all ain't changing the laws anytime soon. Yeah, Kevin Durant's kind of a problem too. <laughs> yeah. But you you'd rather hey, you'll take them. Without Kyrie, over without, both of them, right? W- without a doubt, the Raptors would sign up for uh, Kevin Durant alone. Then Kevin Durant with Kyrie Irving. Who knows what the hell will happen to Ben Simmons? But that that statement game that Brooklyn had in Philadelphia should send shivers through the Eastern yeah. Conference, shouldn't it? Yeah, because where are they going to land? Can you pull up those standings back up again? Yeah. So they win if they win the playing game then they are the seven seed, and yeah. that's the Bucks right now. Like, right now, the way the Raptors are playing, there's no way that the Nets, like, overcome that, right? I mean, to me, the Raptors and the Cavs. Three games, yeah. Hey, that's, it, we're, we're getting close. And the Raptors are on the upswing. They're not going down. So, I, I don't see the Nets catching them. I mean, what, Kyrie could only play in, what, three games anyway? So... For now. Right now, if I'm the Raptors, man, you got to leapfrog them calves, baby. You got to keep winning, and I think they can. Um, and then by doing that, too, they also avoid the Nets in the first round. Not that to say the Sixers or the Bucks would be easy or the Bulls would be easy, but I don't know that you want to play the Nets, right? So um, my guess right now, is I'm gonna go on a limb and, and say Toronto's gonna be the fifth seed. They're gonna, uh, I mean, the, the sixth seed. They're gonna get out of this playing, and I wouldn't Pass be surprised Cleveland. if Ky- Kyrie gets to go to Cleveland and and lock down that seven. <laughs> uh, so then, I mean, here's the challenge. We pulled the electorate earlier today. Uh, here at Tim and Friends asking what the ceiling was, and 50% of the people at last check said that it was the second round. And for me... Ceiling for who? For the Raptors. And for me, that means you got to beat the Sixers unless there's... Yeah, that's exactly... Like, there's a lot of good teams in the Eastern Conference right now. Um, who do the... Like, can the Raptors... Be, I don't think they can beat Philadelphia. Like, I almost think that... Like, do you believe in Chicago... I, I got a lot of love for DeMar DeRozan. Uh, I think what right now you hope that you get Chicago. Right. I saw them play last night and lose at Sacramento. 
Uh, Zach Levine's knee is not great. He's, um, you know, obviously in the playoffs, you get days off between games, so that gives him the ability to rest more, to, to, to take care of his knee more. But I think that's going to be an issue for him the rest of the season. Um, he actually has not played in a playoff game yet, although I'm sure he'll be just fine. But if I had to choose, right, between what's up, Miami and Chicago and I, I, I Sixers, Bucks, I'd, I'd probably take the Bulls. But right now, the way the, the way the Bulls are playing right now, I think they're going to Utah next and Denver. I, I don't see them trending up. I see them perhaps trending down a little bit. So I, it, more than likely it's going to be uh, the Bucks or, or, or probably the Sixers in the right. first round for Toronto. All right, so you were talking about the, the Sixers, and yesterday there was an, an MVP matchup between the Sixers and the Nuggets. What was the better story, that matchup or Bones Highland going near home and doing what he did late in that game? Because it felt like a storybook for him. I'm I'm learning more about him. I like that kid in summer league, and I didn't know much about him. Right. But then to hear his story about jumping out of a window and uh, not supposed to being able to play again, um, great great story. I wish they didn't write it. I would have loved to have written that first in the play, <laughs> written that in the playoffs and everything. But there, there's something unique about this kid. From the moment that he started playing in the NBA, he looked like he he had been there already. And uh, just a great score. And I, I love stuff like this, man. I love great, great stories like this. So I'm um, kudos to him for his perseverance. And, you know, he's, he's another one of those people that you can learn from, not just from a basketball standpoint, from, but from a life standpoint as well. There he is posing with the firefighters who saved his life. Wow. And he had 600 to 700 people make the trip to Philly for this MVP matchup between Embiid and well, Jokic. I and, hope he wasn't paying for the ticket. <laughs> yeah, me too. And he stole the show. Uh, also, I, I can't, like the guy's right behind me right now. The story surrounding Cat, his 60 points on oh, the man. anniversary of his mom's death. I mean, another unbelievable story in basketball last night. Yeah, you know, I, I got to spend some time with him in November and he's, he was smiling and I hadn't seen him smile in a while. Um, he, he certainly has his tough days. He told me he didn't even remember his birthday and the, I think he just kind of did it remember or didn't want to remember because that was a day that was special for him and his mom. And they used to always have big celebrations on his birthday. So it took his girlfriend to kind of like push him and remind him and celebrate it. But he told me what is making him happy is this is the best team camaraderie-wise he's been on, the closest team he's been on. Pat Beverly has done a good job of taking these guys out to dinner, building, bonding with these guys. So uh, I went to a game in New Orleans, and they were losing, and the, and the bench wouldn't let them – feel down there they were rising their team up and you don't see that much from nba teams where yeah. when you're down the bench is like come on now we got it we got it and they end up winning big so I, I i saw something special in them last year that they had potential to i i actually was on the jump last year and said that they were going to make the playoffs and ryan winhorse laughed at me but with anthony edwards and russell and and cat like you talk about teams you don't want to play in the postseason it's them 
They're playing with house money. They got a big three big time scores. They got a lot of length in in the swingman positions that are tough to you know defensively. They're um, the Raptors of the West. Like they they feel like yeah. overachieving. I, I I think they're more respectfully more dangerous. Right. You know. Um, hmm. Because the Raptors, and that's saying something. Because the Raptors have guys that have been there before. Raptors have a bunch of guys that can score twenty. Yeah, but they got three guys that can score (laughs) forty. Right, right. (laughs) So you you know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, but they, in in the same vein, they do have both teams have a lot of athletes and guys that are just basketball players. So um, no, I I mean the Timberwolves. I kind of want to see them play Memphis. Wouldn't yeah, that be cool? Like the these next two cats. young teams, and yeah. it puts Memphis in a weird spot because they're a team that's a un- oh, been living on that underdog, and, and nobody <laughs> and respects T-Wolves. us. And we're the new kid on the block. Well, <laughs> yeah. you're gonna make, if they play another new kid on the block. Right. Minnesota is actually the underdog in that series, and I don't think Memphis has anything for Cat. They got length that could fool with John Morant probably defensively. That would I think that matchup is not a great one. Uh, for Memphis, but uh, I think Golden State would handle them. We we need uh, we need the podcast because we've run out of time again. Uh, Mark Spears always loves shooting uh, the breeze, the breeze with you. I was going to say something else, but <laughs> you could say it. shooting the breeze. I could say it. I could say it. Uh, you can pay the fine. <laughs> my my kids might be watching. Uh, Mark Spears, <laughs> always a pleasure, man. Take care, brother. Uh, there is Mark Spears, ESPN undefeated. Time for one last break. Rubinoff next with last call on Tim and Friends. Just a fine if you do that? How much is the fine? Uh, let's not. Well, I, I found out once. But. <laughs> we conclude another show with last call. Jesse Rubinoff takes the reins. All yours, buddy. All right, let's see if you like this as much as I do. The U.S. Senate passed a bill today to eliminate daylight savings time and make daylight time permanent. The bill will become law if it passes a vote in the House of Representatives, but would not take effect, sadly, until 2023. If it happens, it would put pressure on Canada to follow suit. So it's a provincial decision. I feel Are like you in favor of this? I led you a little bit one way. But- Ontario has already made this decision based on the rest of North America, right? Like the New York Stock Exchange is basically what it's tied to. Yes. So if the states goes, then Ontario goes. I think Quebec has already made the decision too that if everyone else does it, they're good to go on this. I So this means, and let me clear this with you because I'm not, this would mean that no more like darkness falling at 4.30? Correct. In the winter? Correct. That's exactly what it means. I'm down. 100%. Yeah. I think this is vastly overrated by a bunch of different people who don't think it through and they just want to comment on Twitter. But I also really like the idea, I don't know if you heard this, but when the clock springs forward and everyone complains that they've just lost an hour of sleep. Which just happened. Which just happened. Mm -hmm. It should be on Monday at 10 o'clock when the clock moves forward so your monday is indeed shortened that's so good and everyone else gets to lunch earlier yeah you don't lose an hour of sleep yeah so if it stays then we all agree that it now turns from midnight Mm -hmm. to monday at 11 a.m so just lunch comes quicker and everyone's happy i love that i love that because i always i always make the point to you that we walk in the studio here in the winter and it's dark at five o'clock 
or when, whenever we come in here, 4.30 or whatever. I would like, love to talk to someone smarter good. than me, but doesn't that stuff like me. lead to depression and things like where it's I'm sure that's too dark, in. too early, and I don't know. One thing you're going to have to contend with. For the, it was for the farmers way back oh, in the really? day, yeah. That's why we did this. Right. Sebi. There you go. Yeah, it was for the farmers back in the day. One thing people are pointing out that you may have to contend with is, say, I don't know, you're taking your kid to practice of some sort in the morning. It'll it be might dark. be dark. I'm okay with that, though. I mean, I'm not a parent, so who am I to complain yet? But you know, wait. Yeah, okay. <laughs> then come back to me. <laughs> all right. Uh, so two yeses, two thumbs up. Yeah, me I'm okay with okay, this. Good. Yeah, awesome. it's all ridiculous. Love it. Speaking of twos, two pairs of brothers going head-to-head tonight in the NHL. The Hughes brothers, Jack and Quinn, will meet for the fourth time in their NHL careers when the Devils visit the Canucks tonight, while the Robertson brothers, Jason and Nick, will meet for the first time as NHLers as the Stars visit the Leafs. Tim, you have two older brothers. What's the one sport or game that you enjoy beating them at? I never really beat them at anything. Actually, I beat him at basketball. I was a better basketball because they didn't play basketball at all. I was like the jack of all change, master of none. But if we were going to talk about the actual games that I would beat them at in our lifetime, it would have been hockey and football. We used to play this crazy game. It was called Man in the Middle. And it was the entire neighborhood. It was my brothers. I'm the youngest of four boys, two of them still remaining, and the Mikrojanakis family Mm -hmm. that lived across the street. Man in the Middle was there were these two poles at the top of the hill. Okay? There was six of us playing, and it was every man for himself football. And what you had to do was get between the two poles without being tackled. That's insane and incredible, <laughs> and like American Gladiators. Basically. It was it was American, exactly and I was the youngest of all six of the boys. The Acapintis would jump in every once in a while, but this this was a game for men. And I thought I was oh. a man, and I got my ass kicked way more often than right. I should have as a six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old, however, however old I was when we were playing the game. It was insanity, sheer insanity. That's so much fun. And so much fun. But when you're a kid, you bounce back the next day, you're fine. You don't feel it. Like, imagine playing that now. Yes. No equipment. Yeah. Me and Fonda used to for... get in fights all oh, yeah. the time. Spiro no. would have to jump in the middle. My brothers would just stand back and watch because they thought it made me tougher. Don't get any ideas, kids, <laughs> for watching at home. You can't play that game anymore. Man in the middle? Why yeah. not? No. Just... I don't know, safety. Parents would freak out. Yeah, I don't want to be implicated. There was another family on our street that wouldn't let their children play with us. Because of the physicality? You got one more. Yeah. I got to shut up. No, that's okay. Uh, The Brooklyn Nets visit the Orlando Magic tonight. You can see the game on Sportsnet. Now at 7 Eastern, Ben Simmons, shocker, will not play as he continues to recover from a back injury. Nets head coach Steve Nash said today that he's not sure when Simmons will return, but they're hopeful to have him in the lineup before the end of the regular season and a short time ago the athletic shams terrania reported that jamal murray has been assigned to the nba g league as he recovers continues to recover from a torn acl who's gonna have a greater impact in the playoffs simmons or murray murray because they know how to use him Uh, like this simmons thing like i hope and steve nash is way smarter than i I hope they're using them in practice right. and saying like, this is what you're going to do. This is, But they haven't had enough time to assimilate. And we've seen this before with big threes. Like it takes a while to get going. He's a pretty big facilitator and not a good shooter, which is a difficult fit too. So. With Kyrie, who yeah. dominates the ball. So will you play power forward? 
a lot of questions Best for of me luck to them. Best of in luck. Brooklyn. That does it for us. NXT is coming up right here on Sportsnet 360, 8 p.m. Eastern time. I wonder if there'll be a tip of the cap or two to Scott Hall after what we saw earlier this week. That's the menu, kids. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.